Our show will be followed by the Mike Houston Radio Show, which will be coming to you live from Logan's Roadhouse at 6 o'clock. Then at 7, over on our sister station, 1037 WTIB, it'll be uh, the Panther Talk. Mick Mixon, Eugene Robinson, and Jim Zoki. We'll hear from Jim Zoki coming up uh, in our second half hour of the show here today. Pirate Report coming up with some Mike Houston uh, sound. And some other sound that we wanted to have for you here from the uh, first full weekend of everything. You had high school football Friday nights. You had college football on uh, Saturday. And the NFL, Sons one game on Thursday. Sons one game uh, on uh, tonight as uh, the NFL weekend kicking off. So football uh, back in uh, full throat and uh, lots of interesting uh, stuff out there and some interesting uh, results, but first we say hello across the way to the one and only uh, Ben B Baby Byram. Hey Ben, hey take it easy, Coach. I don't have to take that from you anymore. Wow, once you win one, whoa, that's a B Baby commentary there. Saying, Coach, I mean you ain't got no right to yell at me. Intern Courtney's in the house today. Intern Courtney continues to shock us. When you think you got Intern Courtney figured out, she changed. When you have the, as the great late great Roddy Piper said, Rowdy Roddy Piper. Just when you think you've got the answers, I change the questions. That's Courtney. Intern Courtney, what are you wearing today? This this blew me away. Yes, I am wearing a Giannis the Greek the Greek freak shirt, <laughs> as Patrick says. But yes, I do like to keep people on their toes. That is true. She has a Greek freak jersey. I, I'm stunned at this. I'm not going to lie. She doesn't know what the Greek freak looks like. She tried to look up Giannis and started spelling it for Y. So <laughs> let me put her in check here a little bit. Where did you get the jersey? Is this another one of those like like chic store things? Or, or what's this all about? No, this one actually is from my boyfriend. I like oh. the colors of it. Okay. So I will, if, I, if it matches my outfit, is I'll Is he a Bucks fan? It. Yes, he is. Ah, He's not okay. a fake fan. Okay, I now am. this all comes. It, <laughs> does, it comes full circle. <laughs> what makes sense? Because... I just, you know, Courtney does a does fabulous work for us here. Fabulous work. She had a NASCAR shirt on last week. I know so she's, she's a big sports. Are you fan. wearing sports stuff on the days you have to come into the sports station? Is that what it is? So you could. Yes. Okay. I might just have to. <laughs> might have to do that. Keep y'all on your toes. Different sport every week. That's funny. That is funny. Uh, hey, Courtney was part of the crew that was out there along with uh, uh, Derek. Uh, also, uh, Pilking, I'm still trying to figure out what it exactly is Pilkington does, but he was out there that day. The ref was. Uh, no, he was just making his presence known. Yeah, that's, that's all. It's, on the brow star. He, he might have been. <laughs> he might be onto something there, Ben. Uh, and then big props to Clark and Dylan for coming out. And, Ben, I, I know you saw the picture because you were back here in the studio. A little like college game day out there for a little We bit. had a really sweet setup for the game. I mean, look, the broadcast remained undefeated. But that that was a sweet setup. We had the stage right there by the gate, by the Pirate Club gate, and by one of the tower entrances, and it was a sweet setup. We saw the Pirate Walk. We had some great photos from that we put on Insta. Uh, we had folks stopping by. That See, Ben, that's kind of the old-school pregame show. Yeah, I like it that way. We had, Where we had different people showing up. You never know who's going to come by. Now that we're going to be the next home game with some real prime grilling, uh, time of day. Hopefully, we'll have some real prime tailgating weather like we did this past week. Because uh, then we'll get food brought by there to us. I'm excited about that. But um, it's just, I mean, like we never would have gotten John Gilbert where we were. 
somewhere between when I left here the first time and coming back uh, in, in different iterations, the show morphed its way over to the traffic circle median at, at uh, Elmhurst. And it just... I didn't like that location, to be honest with you. I, I wasn't wild about it. I, we tried to make it work. I mean, now, from a convenience standpoint of parking, it was great because was you're, right, there. Perfect, <laughs> you're yeah. right there to park. And I mean, it's... But it, it, it and not to say that the Elmhurst lot is not a great... That's actually a great lot. A lot of people have made their way over there. Over not the just for what we're trying to do. It's not It's not well, the ideal location. But where we were located at Elmhurst, we weren't. it wasn't like we were in the Elmhurst lot with the tailgaters. Yeah. We were on that median, and there's a few tailgaters there, but they're not really. Yeah. Uh, it just, it just, it's not like the energy. I mean, the show I thought had great energy because yeah. we were really among the people, and you could look out and see the tailgate uh, lots filling up. That just was, it was very cool. So look, I got to salute Pirate Nation. I thought they showed up fabulously. I thought they were into the game. The crowd was loud on Saturday. Fortunately, the offense didn't, but, you know, hey, at least the fans were there showing, I was, up, showing out. I was getting there. <laughs> uh, the tailgate, look, when I pulled up to the area around the stadium, you know, that early in the morning, you kind of think, eh, there were people, I'm not talking about we're setting up. I'm talking about had been set up. It looked like for hours already tailgating. At about I was impressed. 7.30 in the morning. It was it was pretty wild. I've always heard legends about the ECU tailgates. You now finally got to see that this, in fruition. This so. looks like it was a good one. This oh, yeah. looks like it was a good one for a lot of people. And look, I'm sure the Peach Bowl was talked about many a time well, amongst those tailgates. In, in certain circles. Never fails. In certain circles there were. Same circles that that tried to get everyone to believe that you had to wear masks in the stadium in the stands. Yeah, no fun. With an erroneous, inaccurate, flat-out wrong, and irresponsible report. But I, I don't control those things, and I control the controllables, which is uh, our show's excellent. Uh, we do the best job, I think, out there. We have the most accurate and credible information when we report stuff, and uh, we'll stand by that every day of the week. Now, I'll tell you this. I thought, uh, and Adam Gold had me on a show today, um, I, and I'll kind of say what I said there. I, I, there's, I still am not convinced the offensive line is, they're bigger. I just don't know if they're any, any good or any better. I'll say this about the offensive line. I think they played better compared no, they to the did. State game. Yeah, they did. And you got to consider what's in front of them. I mean, those are five star athletes. No, no, you're right. Line, those so are. I mean, they they they, were, they played good enough to win. I thought they made they made strides. Um, I thought the defense was excellent. One perfect. But it's going to be hard. Even I was really pleased with the defense. That was one of the better showings I've seen in a while. It so. was. And and look. You knew they were going to, their backs were going to get their yards, and they eventually did. Of course, yeah. Um, I think and, a lot of that was fatigue, though, because the offense well, yeah. could just not give the defense I, a break. I think the, the I think the pirate defense certainly got worn down in the second half. Um, defense also looked good. I mean, Zeb Noland is he is what he is. <laughs> he is what he is, <laughs> and that's not much. And look, I think there's some issues at quarterback for ECU now, but at least ECU doesn't have Zeb Noland as the uh, quarterback because that is not a winning formula. If you're playing uh, non-FCS competition uh, or playing FBS opponents, um, I thought what a great way to start the game. That was a perfect play call. Big crowd, early start, kind of catch the opponents napping a little bit. Um, and I just the, the execution was perfect. Sneed threw a perfect ball, hit the guy in stride. I thought it was just a real. You needed something like that early 
to get to get well just to get everybody going. That's what I think you I said that right before we left the pregame. You needed a special teams play. You needed a you just needed a big play at some point in the game or maybe even early on to get the fans, you know, kind of into it. And then what a perfect time to call it. You know, it was obviously on the script. I thought it was a perfect time to run something like that. And I think ECU was able, especially early on, to feed. That kept the crowd into it, and the ECU was able to feed off that energy. I'm not saying this is the case, but it looked like that was the only play they practiced all week. I mean, after that, the execution was just poor well, and terrible. We get back to this. Yeah. I, offensive line wasn't great, but they made strides. Uh, you could make the argument playmakers didn't make plays, but it's hard to make plays when you're not put in a position to make them. Yep. And I'll say this. Um, and it is nothing personal, which a lot of people will claim it. It is some yeah. will claim it is, but I, I just right now, Holt Daylor's is not playing very good football at all. Well, what concerns me is as bad as he played in that game, you thought at some point maybe Mason Garcia will come in, and that never happened, and that's a little concerning. When it seems like they don't trust Mason Garcia enough to put him in, or they don't have enough faith in him right now to put him in, and now it's kind of seeming like, well, when is when is it time? What's going on with Mason Garcia and practice? What well, are they seeing? Is he just not? putting it together what's the deal and we've been hearing that so well as poorly as poorly as he played uh at quarterback Ehlers they still technically had a chance to win the game and I can understand in a game that close trying to get that first win I, I'm not one to just you make that decision yeah that now if if it were a situation where ECU were get if it was like the App State game if it had been a replay of that, the Pirates were, were just getting throttled. I uh, yeah, you probably then yeah. make the change. But in a close game like that, it's not fair to put Garcia in. Now, should there be a change going into this week? Yes. Um. Well, yeah. It, yes. Let's, let's just, somewhere, somewhere. I'm not saying quarterback. Right. Just something needs to happen. Let's assume. Offense. Let's assume that there is a change this week. Yeah. This is the time to make a change. Exactly. The time to make a change is not middle of a game against an SEC opponent that you could win unless you are forced to do so for injury or unless you start you started getting blown out. That doesn't that doesn't mean Ailers in my now Mike Houston defending his quarterback, I get it. But I He's I, got to. He's got to. Yeah. I didn't think he'd played well enough. Uh it he just didn't play well. Just didn't play well. Team, the team was still in it despite that because of the effort of the defense. John Young uh, is... MVP of the game. <laughs> well, you know, that's part of it, too. Yeah. As, as worn out as the defense got, yeah. John Young put them in a position, field position-wise. But, you know, I, I think late, Ben, when they had a chance to maybe kick it and they didn't, that was kind of telling about that. Exactly. Again, I get you win the game. That's why you maybe go for it on fourth down. But, But to me... You got to take points in a game like that when you can get them, and I, so I, I think that was more of a philosophical decision rather than uh, an issue with confidence in the kicker or not. And I could be totally wrong on that. Yeah, if you don't mind, I'm going to go back to the quarterback situation for a second. I'll say this, and I'll leave it at this. I know this isn't your opinion. This is my personal opinion. And who am I, right? So all I'm going to say is I didn't feel like Holton Aylers after that second pick, even if it was a close game gave us the best chance of the win. I know Mike Houston's going to say in this press conference here, he's going to say it in the next press conference, Mike Houston gave us the best chance to win. I don't necessarily believe that. I Hold Nailers, you mean? Yeah, hold yeah, Nailers. Yeah. yeah, I don't I I just I don't believe that. He didn't look good whatsoever. I mean, the the pick at the end of the half 
on what should have been a really safe. Well, both of them were brutal. Both, both of them, them were, were bad. Really bad. But the one at the end of the half to me was really, really, really bad because yeah. one, it got South Carolina on the board and got them in back into the game. Yep. Well, and, and I'll say this too. Well, I'll, I'll come back to that in a minute. Um, th- I mean that's sh- that's that's that should be kind of an innocuous, a, a very kind of benign play. Yeah. If it gets you something, I mean, that's kind of what that's designed for. If it gets you something great, yeah. but it's kind of a safe throw, it puts your receiver in a position to make a play, and it doesn't string them out. And, you know, in other words, that's a play that should be, at the very least, batted down by, an off, by a defensive lineman. Exactly. At the yeah. very least. And that's even a bad throw. Yep. But to zing that in there and be picked off and then the guy scores – you let them back into the game where you could have run things out and at least gone in with that two-score advantage, one would think. I'll, I'll say this as well. Um, so they give up 20 points. That pick six with the extra point is seven of that. Yep. Uh, I also say that the big return on the kickoff that set South Carolina up. Oh, yeah, that was huge. That really wasn't on the defense either. Defense yep. did all they could really in that situation and had done everything in their situation. Yeah. Uh, or in their in their power to that point with the whole situation. That's what I think. Well, they were constantly on the field. That's my big well, takeaway. I'm not going to knock them so much because they are constantly. But I mean, to on only give field. up two field goals, including one after a near 70 yard return on a kickoff. Yeah, I have no problem exactly. with yeah. uh, with giving up a field goal there. I mean, yeah, we we know how it all turned out, but you know what I'm saying, Ben. Exactly. Yeah. That that to me, the defense did everything you needed them to do, uh, and I, I, that was encouraging. I'm not encouraged by anything I see on this. They're playmakers on paper. They got to start making plays. Exactly. Because that's really where it is on paper. And I don't know if it's an off the field thing or what the deal is, but they need to get it together because we're going into year four of Holton Aylers and CJ Johnson, well, supposed to be the best receiver in the conference, and we're not seeing that. So the cry was and has been, and I picked this up uh, with certain people saying it on Saturday. Well, you know, we're yet, we're still young, da da da. Okay, yeah. yeah. But your quarterback's not. Your quarterback has got a lot of experience, and he played like a guy. If Zeb Nolan had made those mistakes, I would have understood it. Yeah. Um, I would have – because, you know, that's probably a stage for Zeb that he wasn't anticipating being on uh, a month ago. But I just – you know, there's a lot of good quarterbacks in this conference. Oh, yeah. And when you, I mean, I've been in those broadcasts. I've been in those pre-meetings. We obviously discuss what we're going to discuss some days. And Holton has had some great games. Credit to him when he has played well, he's played well. He's made some good throws at times. Uh, He's done some really positive things. There's been times he looked like the quarterback you thought he was going to, to be. Um. But that just, to me, did not look like a guy that had been playing for, for four years and you expect a little more out of it. Now, and, and it's it's easy for him to say afterwards, this is on me. And, I mean, there's some credit to that, but now he said it two weeks in a row. We're getting tired of that. It's time well, to start doing. If it's on you, then you got to start. And, again, look, South Carolina, to their credit, made the adjustments that they they had a little bit to do with, obviously. I mean, they have good athletes on that side of the ball. That defense. What's the SEC level school? Yeah, it's an I SEC mean, yeah. level defense. And just to not be able to make plays 
and 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 avoid mistakes. Yep. Making plays is one thing. All right, I get it. But just not, you know, just just a lot of mistakes that you wouldn't expect out of someone with that much experience. And, and that's kind of where I am on, on that. I'm not saying that the Gar- Garcia is the guy, but if you are going to make a a move, it would make sense. It would make sense to do it this week, but I think it makes even more sense to do it after this week. Exactly, because you're going into a an incredibly tough environment. Yeah, not a, not ideal to have him starting. No, that, that that's not a, that. unless there unless there's an injury. You don't. But you know, if you were going to make that change. It's Charleston Southern. I, I will say this. If you are Mike Houston and you're Donnie Kirkpatrick, you have got to find a way to play Mason Garcia or whoever the backup truly is yep. against Charleston Southern. Maybe it's Stubby, our guy, CJ the Pirates guy. Oh, he was wearing me out on Saturday <laughs> night. I, the amount of text messages I got. Um, now, let me say this as well. Uh, let's change subject here. We're going to get to our pirate report coming up, and then shall we? Shall we change subjects here? Let's well, do it. let me just make a, a quick. I'll let you fix that while I say this. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, um, I'm sure many of you know by now uh, our colleague uh, and uh, the guy who's really been our, a big champion of this station. He's been a big uh, champion of of me here and on this uh, show, uh, and I consider him a great friend. Is Hank Hinton? Uh, Hank and his family. Uh, suffered a uh, a house fire this weekend. In fact, it was Saturday after the football game. They had some friends who were from out of town, I understand, in his guests. And I'm sure you guys have seen some of the media reports on that. Uh, I started to get a lot of pictures. Uh, I was actually working a, a different telecast Saturday night and started to get a bunch of calls and text messages. Uh, but, uh, boy, uh, a fire at, at Hank's home. Uh, he, his wife Meredith, and their two uh, boys were able to get out unscathed, as uh, was the uh, the guest they had in town. And uh, saw Henry a few minutes ago, right before the uh, show here. And uh, you know, he obviously was concerned about his son, but also concerned about his uh, grandchildren and his daughter-in-law. And uh, that we understand they're they're down at the beach right now, kind of taking a little bit of extra time, and and you can't blame them there. But that was a frightening, frightening uh, set of circumstances, and uh, glad that everything is okay. Uh, but uh, they did suffer the, the the house badly damaged, but not like a total loss, uh, from what I understand. Uh, there were some vehicles that were total loss, uh, both their cars, both their vehicles, which is is unfortunate. But uh, uh, our our just uh, our thoughts are with. Uh, Hank and uh, Meredith right now because uh, that's a scary situation, I'm sure, for them on Saturday evening to have uh, their home uh, in the garage starting to catch fire and then I think got into the attic and they, the fire department, which got it in control in 45 minutes. From what I understand, that was some pretty miraculous work from first responders uh, because uh, they kind of vented the sea, the, the roof and, and that allowed uh, the fire to prevent from spreading. So I uh, just wanted to pass that along. Uh, and just make a statement on that. I don't know if it's necessarily my place to, but I know it's kind of been put out there publicly. Uh, and then there's been news reports. They didn't list who the people that live there, but it is uh, our Hank. And look, I, I know everybody uh, with our staff here speaks uh, along with me in that uh, we certainly are glad it did not turn out to be anything terribly, terribly. I mean, it's 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 a horrible situation, but we're just glad it's not a, a tragic situation. It is a uh, very sad and very shocking and uh tough for them to get through, I'm sure, situation. But uh, 
it is nothing like uh, it could have been. I mean, my gosh. You know, uh, Hank and his wife were out of town about a month ago, out of the country, actually. And, I mean, it could have, if something like that happened then, you know, their home would have probably been a total loss. Um, and if it had happened, you know, a few hours later in the middle of the night, uh, Lord knows what would have happened. So uh, we certainly are uh, glad that uh, everybody is okay. But uh, our, our thoughts right now with, uh, with Hank and his family. All right, uh, we'll break. We're going to come back. Uh, we're going to go through some Mike Houston comments here, run through some of the stats from the game. It is uh, our Pirate Game Day countdown. Uh, we got the podcast of the show every day on 943thegame.com. Check it out there. Also, you can check out other great podcasts. Terrence Copper's War Room podcast from the Believe uh, Podcasting Network appears on Tuesdays. The Houston Huddle podcast every uh, Tuesday morning during the football season. Our exclusive one-on-one conversation with Coach Houston. And the uh, On the Prowl Panthers podcast. Always a good time. Thursdays? Thursdays. Thursdays. Thursday. 94.3 the game there. All right. We're going to take a timeout, and when we come back, we will uh, have some uh, comments post-game of Mike Houston following the 20-17 uh, to 17 loss, South Carolina defeating ECU in Greenville on Saturday. We'll be uh, right back after this. Online or on the go, log on to our brand new website, 943thegame.com, to listen to The Patrick Johnson Show weekdays at 5. It might be crap, but we love it! Or tell your smart speaker to stream 94.3 The Game to take us anywhere you are at any time. And now, Patrick Johnson with today's Pirate Report on the flagship station of the ECU Pirates, 94.3 The Game. All right, uh... Quick check of the forecast where we jump into the report here. A uh, low tonight of 67 degrees, back up to 91 and sunny tomorrow, looking at a chance of rain 50-50 shot on Wednesday. Mainly in the afternoon when the form of thunderstorms, high of 87, some more rain. Uh, Thursday, a 40% shot. Ooh, and they're saying uh, near 60% chance of rain on Friday. Do not like that. Uh, right now, uh, 88 degrees out at the airport here in Greenville. Uh, let's... Uh, get into some comments from coach Houston, uh, in the post game. This is Mike Houston's thoughts on the, uh, game on Saturday afternoon after they, uh, had taken the 20 to 17 loss at the horn to the Gamecocks. It's a tough locker room in there right now. The kids are hurt pretty good. Um, hats off to the kicker from South Carolina, you know, great job there. That's a big time kick there at the end. Um, kids played their tails off. Uh, very proud of the way we competed. Very proud of the physicality and intensity. They gave us a chance to win in the fourth quarter. And I thought we had it. Um, just didn't go our way. This is Mike Houston talking about the way that the Gamecock defensive front played. Well, I mean, I think number one, I think it shows you know, what our kids are capable of. I, mean, I thought I thought our kids hung together all day long today. I mean, all three phases, on the sideline, for each other. I'm just, uh, you know, an incredible job of them. But uh, I, I love the way we competed. I love the way we don't we don't quit, we fight. I mean, the play by Jawan Powell and whatever I thought was going to be a touchdown, you know, to force the fumble and the, and the, and the, the touchback right there. I mean, that's, yeah, that's, what we, that's what we've preached since the day I got here. And, uh, you know, yeah, we didn't convert as – you know, for as many points as we wanted, but I mean, you're playing a really good SEC defense. That defensive line, you've got a, 
at least one first round draft pick and you got you know two five star kids one of them was the top defensive end in the country coming out of high school I mean you've got we weren't playing against you know mediocre players so um, a lot to be said about them having something to do with that this is a coach on the performance of the game from CJ Johnson well CJ you know missed a lot of practice this week and it's you know, it's hard to get a rhythm if you're not out there so he's got a He's got to take care of his body, make sure he's out on the practice field. Um, but I thought he did make some plays down the stretch there that we needed. But, um, yeah, we need, we need it to come along. Some issues, uh, some abdominal issues for C.J. Johnson uh, last week. And uh, he was back out there on the uh, field uh, for the game, uh, managed a couple of catches. The performance after halftime, Mike Houston on that. Well, you just, you know, halftime you kind of know what they're giving you. So we made some adjustments in the run game with some of our blocking schemes. Gave our running backs a little bit more room. Um, started changing the protection up just a little bit. Um, but, uh, you know, we, we're, we're playing against a good bunch over on the other side. But I thought our, I thought our kids did a good job, you know, taking the halftime adjustments and coming out in the second half and, uh, and, and playing. Tyler Sneed uh, on the opening play of the game delivered a pretty nice pass downfield. This is uh, Sneed uh, or Houston on the, uh, the thoughts on the Sneed throw. At the end of the day, that kid gave us a chance to win in the end. I mean, that play – that fourth down play to Sneeds, I mean, what a what a throw standing in there. And uh I'm glad we got it. Uh return uh, let's let's jump to seven really quick here, Courtney. Uh and this was uh kind of in that line with the uh, team bringing an aggressive approach to the game on Saturday and, and that was pretty aggressive to to run that play that they ran uh with the Tyler Sneed throw. Uh but this is uh cut seven here on Coach Houston on his team's aggression. Absolutely. I, mean, I thought we were extremely aggressive. We worked all week on just triggering faster in the run game at the second level. And I thought our linebackers, our safeties, you know, whoever, whomever was in the run fit, I thought they did a really good job for the most part today, you know, getting downhill and making those plays. And that's what we were talking about a while ago with a couple stretch plays there on that, that last drive where, you know, you get one play and, you know, it's, 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 the, it's the difference in the drive. But, this is uh, Coach Houston talking about the return to uh, playing football and the fans in the stands and, and the energy they brought. You know, we got pretty high expectations internally. Uh, the kids have worked their tails off. You know, certainly they won this one badly today, you know, for a lot of reasons. But, uh, you know, particularly because it was at home, you know, what a great crowd we had. You know, just appreciate Pirate Nation being back. And, uh, and we wanted to give them a win. I mean, that's the kids – yeah, it, it matters to them. Yeah, these fans matter to them. How they represent the university matters to them. You know, I think uh, you could still have a pretty decent crowd on the game against uh, Charleston Southern in less than two weeks because of the time of day. If the weather's as good, but you you know what you got to do? You either have to win Saturday at Marshall or you better play really, 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 really well and you know, because you had a you had a real chance to make some make an impression on the fan base, and I, and I think what we could see is this: the fan base wants there to be competitive, winning football, Seems winning like football, but even competitive. Football. They yeah, just want there to be hope. And and I just there were times there was not a lot of hope there. A uh, couple other before we get to your update, Ben, and then the Zoki thing. A couple other, and we're going to try to start integrating some of this on on Mondays. Because there's always great sound from the weekend, right? Football full of great sound. 
there's always great comments in, in interviews or great calls of games. And by great, I mean some stuff that's so weird or atrocious that it's just something we got to. So let's do the Jameis Winston one first. Famous Jameis, five touchdowns, and he set an NFL record for the fewest passing yards for somebody with that many touchdowns. What do you, 148 is what he finished with against. Now, look. He nailed it. Saints didn't need a whole lot against Green Bay because they just shut down Aaron Rodgers and company in a big way in Jacksonville. That game was moved there because of uh, the aftermath of the hurricane. But this is Jameis Winston afterwards. I don't know if he got like lost his train of thought or if he just didn't want to say anything stupid like eat the W. Here we go. How did the defense in the running game give overall shape to the way this played out, Jameis? Well, I just think we were prepared. You know, one thing my, uh, my trainer, he told me, he said, what did he say? He just told us to be prepared. If I'm a player, I can rally around that guy. I don't need the coach's no, speak or the cliche speeches. I, My hey, trader told me, what did he say? Be prepared. Just be prepared. <laughs> it's so funny. Now, uh, Florida State got beat by Jacksonville State. Look, as bad as, fun game. as bad as it was for Pirate Nation this weekend, you're at least not NC State who had all these high hopes. And then you got throttled in Starkville. I don't know if you uh, remembered it Saturday, but during one of my little uh, scoreboard segments, I predicted I made it a B-baby best bet that oh, NC State was going to lose. So bet. just saying, you know, pay attention to that. Um, Giving good advice out there. That was good advice, actually. But then, uh, Jackson, you could be you could be Norvell in Florida State. That Norvell tenure has <laughs> not been real real. It's it's been fraught with a lot of bumpiness. Well, he did inherit a pretty bad. Uh, he team did. Beforehand, so he did, but he also he also has not helped himself. Well, you got to beat Jacksonville State, first right? Of all, so Me and my dad thought it was the Deion Sanders team, Jackson State, before he realized, oh, this is Jacksonville. Jacksonville State. State. Yeah, whoops. Yeah. All right, so this is this is the final call from the. Le- Who's the analyst? Do we ever find out that guy's name? No, but it sounds like a former player. Yeah. So Gene Deckerhoff is like the deck. He does the the Tampa Bay Buccaneers games, but he also does Florida State. Uh, this is Deckerhoff's uh, call of the final play, where the guy, a guy who played at Duke, actually, transferred to Jacksonville State, got the game-winning uh, catch and score. Here we go. Get a first down right now. They still got a chance, I guess, to, to call the timeout to try to get their uh, kicking team out there. Second play decent. Here's the snap. Throwing the deep bomb down the far sideline. Caught ball. At the 10-yard line to the 5-yard line. Are you serious? Jacksonville State with no time left. I just the said Game keep Cox. everything in front of you. The I Gamecocks have taken the lead and will win this ballgame. 20-17. to 17. <laughs> And the Gamecocks are going crazy. How? <laughs> you hear Decker off laughing at him at the end. I not heard that part. Isolate that part there. So, William Floyd, I believe, is the analyst on the Florida State Network. I believe. And first of all, they listened to William. William said, don't let, get, don't let him get behind you. They didn't get behind him. He caught it in front of him. They just couldn't tackle him for Jacksonville State, right? It wasn't like the guy outraced anybody. He caught the ball underneath at the 10 and then just made a move and scored. They literally just couldn't tackle right. him. Right. <laughs> he didn't get behind anybody. He stood right well, in front of them. They couldn't do anything. I guess he actually did get behind them because he ran past them. But not before he made the catch. He had the ball when he did that. So let's listen to this again. Let's, let's pick it up for where he th- – the guy throws – the analyst throws his headset off and slams it down, and then Deckerhoff laughs at him. All right, here we go. They 
Drake with no time left. I just the said game keep coach. everything in front of you. The Gamecocks have taken the lead and will win this ballgame. 20 to 17. <laughs> and the Gamecocks are going crazy. How about that? Look at that. Decker off laughing at his analyst for slamming the headset that. down. I love that. Well, look, there, there's some analysts who get on there and the team loses and they pout and don't say anything. It's, it becomes a one-man show, which is... I like the voice of the fan here. I like this little uh, Cullen comment. You like that guy? Yeah, you like the you like it, the analyst? Yeah, he's even giving advice to the team. You know, he could be the coach out there. Don't let him get behind <laughs> you, even though he was in front of him the <laughs> right, whole time. Exactly. Until the end when he ran by <laughs> him for the score. I love that he slams his headphones down. That was great. He's passionate. I love it. That's one way to describe it. All right, so when we find some great sound like that uh, from the weekends, we'll bring it to you on Mondays. We'll aspire to at least. That was a good one. That, that, call that a weekend winner. Those are, that is a weekend winner to, to hark back to an old segment. I tell you what, we have um, bank those cuts, Ben, because uh, we could isolate some of that in there. The guy throwing his headphones down and then. Work that in with something. Yeah, and then uh, I think the, the famous Jameis thing could be a great quote. You know, he told, what do you tell me? Be prepared. All right, uh, this is uh, Ben Byram with an update. Then Jim Zoki will talk Panthers. Uh, here we go. Thanks, Patrick. We start from Pirate Football as they fell in a heartbreaker to SEC opponent South Carolina 20-17 in Dowdy Ficklin Stadium. One Pirate player did receive national acclaim from that game and punter John Young. For the second straight week in a row, Young has been named to the Ray Guy Awards Ray Ace. Not meant to recognize the eight best punters in college football from week to week. Elsewhere in college football, Texas is ready to make a change at quarterbacks. They'll look to start Casey Thompson for the remainder of the year. Virginia Tech star tight end James Mitchell has had his year cut short to have season-ending knee injury knee surgery. A pair of NC State starters and linebacker Peyton Wilson and safety Cyrus Fagan will undergo surgeries and miss the rest of the season, as well as Miami running back Don Chaney Jr. Moving on to the NFL, the New Orleans Saints signed corner Marshawn Lattimore to a five-year $97.6 million extension. New York Jets left tackle Makai Becton will have knee surgery and miss four to six weeks. Broncos will also be without their key receiver Jerry Judy four to six weeks due to a high ankle sprain. Niners running back Raheem Mostert has been placed on IR of knee issues. Lions cornerback Jeff Okuda will miss the rest of the season with a ruptured Achilles. Washington football team quarterback Ryan Fitzpatrick has been placed on IR with a hip injury. Former Panthers backup Taylor Heineke is expected to be the starter moving forward. And from the Carolina Panthers cornerback Corn Elder has been signed back to the team's practice squad. That's going to do it for your 94th of the game sports update. I'm Ben Barham. Every Monday during the football season, join me, Jim Zoki, as I talk Carolina Panthers football and the latest from the NFL with Patrick Johnson right here on 94.3 The Game, Eastern North Carolina's home for sports. More of the Patrick Johnson Show right now. Panther Talk coming up later tonight. That's over on Sister Station. Talk 1037 WTIB, Eastern North Carolina's home for your Carolina Panthers. And uh, they'll be on at 7 o'clock recapping uh, everything from uh, yesterday and get you ready for the uh, week ahead. And the uh, Nolan Saints up next for Carolina. Uh, ben and I are joined now by Jim Zoki with the Panthers Radio Network. Uh, Zoke, how are you? Patrick, great to be back on the uh, the, uh, the Patrick and the Baby Show. How's everything? <laughs> How did Ben treat you last week? Did everything go well? Like a king, like a king, Patrick. I mean, I was his favorite guest. 
Yeah. Uh, he just said all great things to say. Uh, there was a moment where we did a takeover where you were no longer going to be the host, but we reinstalled you by the end of the segment. But uh, mm-hmm. I thought it went great. You know, not as great as, as you because you're the guy, you're Patrick. Uh, but uh, B-Baby is, is certainly ready when called upon. You know, again, the only, uh, the only radio show probably uh, of the many that Jim appears on where he actually uh, has a, a, ho- a, a, a principal in the situation named B-Baby. That's uh, do, do we have that distinction? <laughs> hey, I called out Jim. He was pulling for App State in the ECU-App State game, so I had to well, confront him about that Well, now Jim's got, like, financial ties there. Like, he's... Exactly. All the more reason to pull for ECU. Yeah. I'm paying someone He's thousands could, of dollars. I couldn't get my kids into East Carolina. They, they wouldn't accept them. Oh, well, there you go. Whoa. All right. Whoa. I'm kidding. I made that part up. I just said <laughs> I that, say, that doesn't sound right. <laughs> that, that does not sound right. But I'll, I, I will say this. The standards to get an ECU are a lot more difficult and rigorous than they once were. But do keep this in mind, Jim. I have a diploma from this place. So, I mean, it, it wasn't <laughs> like this was, this was you know, they, they were sort of letting everybody in about 25 years ago. So the, hey, yeah. I, I told Ben I'm a I'm a Pirates fan the rest of the way, and that didn't work out uh, this past weekend either. But uh, Boy, I'm, it did I'm not. here for you the rest of the way. It did not. All right. Well, we think East Carolina left a lot of things out there on the field. Speaking of which, it seemed like on, after the first quarter yesterday, boy, Panthers could have scored a lot more points. It seems like they um, they left a lot of points on the table, including an extra point. But <laughs> kicking seems to be our thing this year. Which, uh, but, which uh, by yeah, the way, did you see what Joey Sly did? Did you see what Joey Sly did yesterday? Yes, he made every kick like he was freaking Morton Anderson. I mean, it was just like <laughs> the greatest kicker ever. But uh, I'm glad for him. I'll be honest. I mean, he's got a great story, and uh, he's a good guy. He just you know, hate to see anybody uh, not make it. But, I mean, it is a that position especially is very obvious if you're either making it or not making it. So um, yeah. I'd love to see him make it with the Houston Texans. Hopefully not in week three when we play that on a Thursday. Right. Uh, but uh, other than that, I hope uh, Joey has a, has a great long career. So the Panthers, as you said, miss a kick, but they also uh, fumbled on the way in. Yeah. Yeah, they did that, and we missed a pass. So they uh, they struggled in the, the, the red zone. I guess some people call it the green zone when you're inside the 10-yard line. But uh, they, mm-hmm. uh, they know that. I mean, there were a lot of things that they – know that they got away with that may not work against teams that are going to be better, like New Orleans coming in this week, uh, that they got to clean up. So while they're, they're thrilled with the win, you take it. Uh, there was a lot, you know, just got off the Matt Rule uh, weekly uh, Monday press conference thing, and he, he said nobody was happy with how they played in the second half, and uh, there were things they could have done in the first half to have a bigger lead, so certainly they know they can clean that up. Ben's going to hammer the offensive line here like he always does, but I'm going to say this. I thought they were. That's not true. I, I on, thought. Patrick. I thought by and large the offensive line was pretty good, and I also think Darnold. That's that's the big part of my question. Here is I thought Sam Darnold played like a guy who'd been in the NFL for four years. Now, I thought Sam was really poised. Uh, I thought he was really solid and uh, made the throws. Uh, so I, I really liked the, his command and just the way he ran the offense, and uh, that was good. I think we we. You know, we're going to see. We're a little bit undersized in the middle of the offensive line with Paradis and Elf Line. I think that showed up a little bit yesterday. Dennis Bailey missed that block that uh, Christian McCaffrey picked up in time for them to throw the 57-yard touchdown to Robbie Anderson, but that was a whiff of a block. Yeah. That, that guy, uh, you know, that he was there, not you know, say Chuba Hubbard or somebody who may not be prepared for that kind of a situation yet. So there are things on the offensive line that have to get better. Sam Darnold took eight hits yesterday, and you, know, you just can't have that every week. That's going to have to come down. A uh, report that was confirmed by Coach Rule uh, this afternoon about uh, uh, Miles Hartsfield uh, going to be out for as many as 12 weeks with a wrist injury. 
he will be, so that, that cuts into their depth and their, their special teams a little bit. But a, yeah. a familiar face, a familiar vegetable, if you will. Mm-hmm. Corn Elder is back on the practice squad. So Corn Elder. Corn Elder once again. I saw that. So there you go. Yeah. One transaction begets another. All right. Uh, Jim Zoki, Panthers Radio Network. You'll hear the game against New Orleans this weekend uh, on our sister station, Talk 1037 WTIB. Panther Talk coming up at 7 o'clock tonight on uh, Talk 1037 WTIB. Right now, Ben. B-Baby Byram and Jim Zoki uh, enter the octagon. Go ahead. Jim, I was surprised this wasn't talked about earlier when it came to, you know, leaving points out there on the field. The Panthers were on the New York Jets' 33-yard line and decided to punt on fourth and six, which got resounding boos in the stadium, and I'm with them there. What was what was the deal there? And it sounds like to me they don't trust Ryan Santoso, the Pringles guy. But, <laughs> I mean, if you don't <laughs> – it looks like a Pringles guy. I'm just saying. But the way I see it, if you don't trust your starting kicker, why are you not looking elsewhere? I mean, good teams in this league, they have good kickers. It's that simple. Why are we not looking elsewhere for another kicker if you don't trust your kicker to make a 33-yard field goal? I'm still trying to overcome the Pringles guy comment. That was was really fantastic. Um, You know, that's just it. I mean, this is the week they have to decide if they're going to keep him or relinquish a late draft pick, uh, the two-game marker. So, uh, I, there may not be uh, that kind of confidence. He missed an extra point, so that didn't help uh, anybody's confidence with him definitely being the answer. So I think we'll see on that. They may not have felt comfortable that he was you know, going to make that kick, uh, even though he got off the plane and made a 52-yarder in the preseason, kind of knocked it off the goalpost against Pittsburgh. Uh, but he did make a 52-yarder, so he does have the length of uh, leg to be able to do that. But, um, yeah, I, if they're playing field position early, they feel confident with him. The weather was perfect, obviously. Great field conditions because you're on a new artificial turf. Um, but uh, there was an interesting decision early on that a lot of people were kind of wondering about. And uh, we'll see. I mean, we got we got to get the kicker thing right. It's going to be a long year. We went through some of that last year. So the Panthers definitely want to make sure they got the right guy and, and have confidence in whoever that is. Jim? Patrick was telling stories earlier. I actually was pleased with the offensive line this week. First time in a long well, time. We talked about the offensive line before we did the segment here with Jim, and you said... I baited him. <laughs> well, you said, yeah, but the exterior still did, did no, this, the this, interior, I didn't think the interior played good. I think Jim can agree with that. I mean, what's his name on the Jets? The Jets defensive tackle had a day. His name, there was a Franklin thrown in there in his last name somewhere. I forgot his name, but... Yeah, Franklin Myers. Yeah. Exactly. There you go. But uh, the guy that really stood out to me, and I thought he played better than Taylor Moten, to be completely honest with you, was left tackle Cam Irving. What was your personal assessment on Cam Irving? And I'm not saying he's a long-term answer or anything, but he looked pretty good. I know it's a bad Jets team, but I felt like the strong suit was really their defensive front. What was your thoughts on Cam Irving in Week 1 against the Jets? No, I thought the two tackles set the edge as well, and, and that was not the issue. It was, it was at the interior. And the other thing with the, the Jets is you know, they're loaded. They had Quinton Williams. They had Sheldon Rankin. It's, it's really it's the strength of their defense is actually defensive tackle, and uh, and they have huge size. And, again, I mentioned, as I mentioned earlier, with Alpha and Paradise, the Panthers are, are undersized sometimes where, you know, technique will get you so far, but you're, you're going to lose some battles during the course of a, of a long game like that. So, yeah, we'll see moving forward. I think they like Daly. And uh, we'll see. He obviously was not nearly perfect at all. As we mentioned, he missed that block that uh, McCaffrey picked up on. But uh, we'll see when John Miller comes back, if, if Daly gets to stay in that starting phone or not. But uh, you know that's going to be the one. Just to, again, we don't know. But to keep an eye on it and, and kind of monitor and see where that is as a group. I thought the two tackles played well yesterday. 
And then, Jim, this is a little bit of a nerdy question when it comes to Panthers, what's going on with the Panthers. But um, I, I saw Matt Rule was not necessarily pleased with Chuba Hubbard. I wasn't really pleased with Chuba Hubbard in this game. Missed a few key blocks. What's the uh, current situation with the guy we just brought in, Royce Freeman, who I like coming out of the draft a couple years ago. I think he was in the same draft class as McCaffrey. What's the latest with him? Are they trying to bring up the speed? Bring him up to speed? Is he a guy we expect to maybe be a backup in the coming weeks and maybe get a nod over at Chuba Hubbard here soon? Yeah, I mean, I saw that Matt Rule press conference last hour. He he said they did get Royce Freeman up to speed. He hasn't been here very long, but he's a veteran guy with his you know, three, four years in Denver. So uh, definitely has that going for him. And then Chuba, it's not unusual for rookie running backs to not be great at blocking. It's it just the kind of thing that does keep them off the field because it's critical you get somebody hurt, <laughs> and uh, you just can't run the offense if they're not doing their assignment as far as blocking goes. So, yeah, that definitely is um, something that Chuba, if he's going to be on the field, is going to have to be a, a better blocker. He's a track elite speed guy, uh, but you got to block uh, to get much playing time out there except in special packages. But Freeman's a bigger guy, and uh, I would think, uh, I don't know what his blocking abilities are, but I assume because of that, that's part of why they brought him in uh, was because of that. So I, I assume he might get a a chance, but uh, they said Chuba was a clear number two behind McCaffrey heading into this game uh, because of his ability to run, but you've got to be able to do all, all the things running back as you to stay out there. We've got Jim Zoki with us here. Would you, of course, the Panthers got to him six times defensively with sacks, but uh, what'd you make of uh, Zach Wilson's uh, debut? I thought he got better as the game went on. I mean, he definitely started very slowly, and he was under some duress, which is what the Panthers tried to do, you mentioned the nine quarterback hits they had in the game, six quarterback sacks. So, I mean, they obviously did exactly what they wanted to, make life difficult on a rookie quarterback in the league. But I thought he recovered. You know, he had the two second-half touchdown passes to Corey Davis, and that second one with J.C. Horn hanging on him it was a perfect throw. It was really almost undefensible yeah. where it was thrown for J.C. to have a chance to even knock that down. So, was a, you know, just give him credit for that. But you can see he's got that live, strong arm, and I thought he moved around in the pocket pretty well, and uh, to his credit, didn't take off and run. A lot of times, rookie quarterbacks just tuck it under and, and run, but they can't figure anything out. Out, but he was he was determined to stay in the pocket, go through his progressions, go through his reads. So he'll get better. Uh, but uh, you could definitely see the talent is there. Speaking of rookies, J.C. Horn um, got not a ton of opportunities, but uh, how do you think he played? Yeah, we're talking about how we haven't uh, really called his name through most of the game, which was. Not only a compliment to him, but to the whole defense. Again, with that pass rush, they weren't able to get much downfield. And that, I'm sure it was part of their game plan, not to too often go downfield. So he didn't come into play a lot. But uh, Coach Rule said he liked him in, in the run game support-wise. Uh, so he said that he at least be able to get in there. But I think overall, mm-hmm. you know, Horn's going to be a terrific player. They didn't throw a whole lot his way yesterday, though. All right, uh, you're excited about this Saints game. You're fired up and ready to go about the game with the Saints, right? That's going to be an interesting game. I mean, Jameis Winston's just like had a rebirth with uh, Orleans there. I saw him in his last preseason game. He was very accurate. I think he had one incompletion and had obviously terrific numbers yesterday with the five touchdown passes and critical for him, interceptions. So, uh, you know, they, they might be the right situation with the right coach for Jameis. I mean, these guys are taking, you know, number one overall like he is. There's talent. There's a reason for that. Hey, thanks a lot, Jim. We appreciate it. We'll talk to you next week. Always fun. Thank you, guys. The Zogman Panthers high noon airtime Sunday. I'm really looking forward to this Saints game. 
I'm not. <laughs> this is not going to be good, I don't Saints think. Saints defense was awesome. Saints yesterday. defense was awesome, and Jameis looked like what we thought Jameis was going to be when yeah, he was the number one overall pick. But he also threw, it was like a high school quarterback performance. He threw for like less than 150 yards and five touchdowns. I'll say this, though. Part of being a winning quarterback and a good quarterback is just capitalizing on the opportunities given to you, and he definitely certainly did that. Yeah, that's true. Sam Darnold didn't always do that, and we saw that with Zach Wilson. He didn't always do that. What else stood out to you yesterday? Washington football team got, got beat, You're right? talking about in terms of the NFL? Yeah, just the NFL, yeah. Well, I'm looking at this Houston game week three, and that game all of a sudden got really interesting. Tyrod Taylor, oh, I mean. But how, yeah, but how good is are the Texans? And they were playing Jacksonville. That's true, that's true. But, I mean, there's something to be said when you got five total touchdowns. And there's a lot of names on the offense that I think is getting a little bit un- underlooked. I mean, they got Phillip Lindsay at running back, and mm-hmm. – they got David Johnson. I mean, that's a former, like, one of the top running backs in the league, and he looked pretty good this past Sunday. So we'll see how it goes. But all of a sudden, that game's not looking like necessarily a gimme anymore. No, so. no. Well, look, if you're the Panthers, celebrate and enjoy all wins. You have a chance to get off to a pretty decent start if Winston comes back down to earth and that defense just, I don't know, Green Bay just seemed out of sorts yesterday. They it really looked did. like Rodgers was playing to get traded. <laughs> 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 this is what it looked like. Um I'm looking forward to tonight. They're not doing the doubleheader this year, but I am looking forward to uh, Ravens Raiders. Yeah, yeah. I, hey, I, me not necessarily. I think it's going to be clearly the Ravens, but who knows? Chucky just, teams are always fun. Uh, that's what I mean. His teams are fun. It's in yeah. Vegas, so you know there's going to be some razzmatazz. They're playing that. at the Black Hole, that new stadium. And tonight is the debut of the Manning Brothers uh, broadcast on ESPN two. I did not know about Time that. Yeah, we'll check that out. Right. Now. Yeah, I like that. We will be back to wrap it up after this. The Mike Houston Show is coming up next, so stay tuned for that here on the flagship of the Pirates, 94.3 The Game. Houston will be on with us tomorrow. Coach and I will bring you the Houston Huddle. Thoughts on the weekend game, but also we'll get you set for the big matchup this weekend against Marshall. So join us tomorrow for the Patrick Johnson Show. Big thanks to Jim Zoki today, Ben Byram and Courtney across the way, and we'll catch you tomorrow. I'm a picker, I'm a grinner, I'm a lover, and I'm a sinner. I play my music in the sun. I'm a joker, I'm a smoker, I'm a midnight toker.